Morning. Nice to be with you again. Glad to hear that Frank was so good last week. That doesn't put any pressure on me, but no. At least I showed up on time. I hear he arrived a bit late, so if anything, I was here on time. There we go. But great to worship with you again this morning, and especially over these verses. I mean, sometimes, you know, you get given a passage and you look at it and go, my goodness, what are we going to do with that one? Uh, this one is like, yes, excited about this one. Um, maybe we could just, more for my sake, maybe we could just pray again uh, here. Father, we just uh, come before you, and we uh, are so thankful that we can uh, trust you this morning uh, and just come with expectation uh, that because we are looking at your word, uh, your Holy Spirit uh, will speak and use your word in our hearts uh, and lives uh, this morning. And we uh, each just take a moment, Lord, now to uh, consciously open our hearts to uh, what you would have uh, to say to us uh, this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, I wonder as those verses were being read, uh, which verse or verses or phrase or phrases jumped out at you the most? Now, maybe you could say, well, all of it did because those are some uh, pretty cool uh, verses uh, there. Uh, but for me, I'm going to cheat a little bit, and I'm going to say it's two phrases from different verses that we can put together uh, that give us a bit of our uh, big idea uh, for this morning. If you take the beginning of verse 1 uh, and put it together with the beginning of verse 4, you're left with the phrase, you were dead, but God. So you were dead, but God. Uh, so let's keep that uh, in mind uh, this morning. This is a passage that uh, expounds on mankind's need for redemption uh, and what God has done to meet that need and why he did it. So there's a lot in uh, these couple of verses uh, here. Now, as you get into chapter 2, so that's where we're starting, uh, you notice that it begins with the word and, right? So uh, highlighting connection. So uh, connection with what's gone uh, before it. So that's a good reminder. The things that you've looked at over the last couple of weeks that were in chapter 1 need to be remembered uh, as we head into chapter 2 here uh, as well. So without repeating everything that Frank and Paul before had said, uh, let me just give you uh, the highlights uh, here of something that we need uh, to remember. Well, it is God who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. That's chapter 1, verse 3. He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before Him. That's verse 4. He predestined us for adoptions as sons through Jesus Christ. That's verse 5. He has blessed us in the Beloved. That's verse 6. In Him we have redemption through His blood. And he forgives our trespasses. That's verse 7. Uh, he lavished upon us the riches of his grace. That's verse 8. He has made known to us the mystery of his will. That's verse 9. In him we have obtained an inheritance. That's verse 11. He has sealed us with the Holy Spirit. That's verse 13. 
He gives the spirit of wisdom and revelation. That's verse 17. And he raised Christ from the dead and exalted him in verse 20. There's a lot of he did this and in him and Christ. You're getting uh, the picture there, right? Who is doing all of that? Who is doing everything that we've looked at or you've looked at already in Ephesians? Well, he is, okay? All in him. It's all him. It's all God activity. It's all about God uh, at work. So we keep that in mind uh, as we head into uh, chapter 2 and continue to look at Paul's uh, statements uh, and explanations uh, of truth uh, in these opening chapters. Remember, he's still laying the foundations, the doctrinal foundations for the exhortations that are going to come uh, later in future uh, chapters. So, God is at work, okay? God is active. It's all about Him, okay? That, that's a, uh, a helpful uh, reminder. Not that you had forgotten that. I don't, that's not what I'm trying to say, but just the reminder, right? God is at work. Okay, uh, chapter 2. Uh, the first three verses, they were all read, but the first three verses, they form the four sort of uh, first uh, mini-section uh, of this passage, and they reveal not only our need uh, or the need for redemption, the need to be saved, the need for salvation, uh, but specifically, why? Okay, it's, it's fine to say, well, you need to be redeemed. Well, why? Well, the Bible gives us those answers, okay? So these verses give us the position that we were in before the very significant statement in verse 4 that says, but God, okay? So uh, one commentator frames these opening verses with a question. He says, what was life like prior to God's gracious intrusion? Okay, what was life like? What was your life like before God's gracious intrusion? Uh, intrusion. Uh, Paul goes on to tell us, uh, but don't forget again, right, the basics here, but don't forget that this is the inspired Word of God uh, that we're reading this morning. So this is not just Paul's opinion, because there's some strong things he's going to say. This isn't just his uh, opinion here. This is the Creator God's revelation uh, to us of exactly what state we are in without Christ. Okay, it's that uh, significant here. So therefore, because it's from him, uh, it is absolutely uh, true. Uh, now, sometimes uh, when somebody is trying to explain something, they give sort of a list of points uh, aimed at su uh, supporting a conclusion that they're going to sort of reveal or state uh, at the end. Uh, but here in these verses, Paul starts with the conclusion, okay? Uh, he starts with the main point. You were dead, okay? You were dead. And afterwards, he goes on to give the supporting uh, evidence. Uh, during the week there, uh, the family and I, or our family, uh, were at the circus in Cleethorpes there, Russell's. I don't know if you've ever done that one. It's all right. Uh, apologies if you were one of the performers. I'm sure you were great. Um, but... Uh, uh, we were there. The kids uh, loved it. And like most entertainment shows, at the end was the big finale, right? And this, uh, the wheel of death, Ooh, right? Uh, the wheel of death, that, that's what it ended with. And it was impressive enough, spinning and the guy going around. And then he puts the blindfold on, Ooh, scary stuff. And, and, and it was, yeah, yeah, as I say, uh, it was okay. Uh, how did the show begin, though? The, the show began with some clown doing some silly things that was just filling space, 
right? What if it had been the other way around? What if they had started with, you know, the wheel of death, and then the big finale was the clown that most people then were just talking amongst themselves by the time he was doing what he was doing, right? Uh, that wouldn't be entertainment, right? That's not going to, oh, go to that show. Did it end well? Oh, well, no, right? So uh, Paul is not trying to entertain here. He's not trying to hold back things and then really do this big uh, finale. It shows his urgency uh, in, in getting this uh, message uh, out uh, here, okay? He, he desperately, urgently wants us, his readers, uh, to understand spiritual realities, okay? So that's where he's at uh, here. He's not going to mess around with other things. He's jumping straight to the finale, you were dead, right? You were dead. Spiritually speaking, no life whatsoever. Well, what's the reality? What's the evidence of this then uh, that he goes on uh, to say? Now, one more thing to remember before we look at some of the details uh, here. Remember that this is not a case of a person becoming spiritually dead because they do these things. Uh, these, are, rather, are things uh, that are the uh, results of being spiritually dead in the first place. See, there's the difference, right? I hope I said that right. In my mind, it didn't sound right. If I said the same thing twice, forgive me, these are not the results, or these are not what you do and then become spiritually dead. You are spiritually dead, so this is what happens, okay? So spiritually deadness is the starting uh, point uh, there, right? It's not that when you're two or three years old, whatever it is, that the first time that you sin, and then all of a sudden you die spiritually, right? It's that way from the very uh, beginning. So what does Paul say uh, about this uh, spiritual uh, death? Please follow along so that you can uh, see what's written here and uh, quickly notice if I uh, say something uh, that I shouldn't be uh, saying here. So, what does he say? First thing he says, you were walking in trespasses and sins, okay? You were walking in trespasses and sins. Now, these words, trespass and sins, cover both willful uh, disobedience uh, and also sinning through ignorance. So it covers uh, a wide uh, variety of things here. Uh, the point of using two separate words uh, is, is not to touch on specific types of sin, uh, but rather simply to show the scope, okay? Uh, to show the scope of sinfulness uh, that ex uh, is experienced by those who are spiritually dead, okay? So that was your way of life, okay? That was your way of life, and it's the only life that any of us knew, Okay, a uh, bit rough. So walking in trespasses uh, in sin. Now at the end of this uh, section, we'll see something about walking. Uh, Paul builds on it later uh, in, in future uh, chapters where we are exhorted to walk in a different way. So here we were walking in trespasses and sin. He will get to walk in a manner worthy of your calling and walk in love and all of uh, those things that are much more fun to talk about than walking in trespasses uh, in sins. But that's where he's heading. So, walking in trespasses and sin. Secondly, he says you were following the course of this world, okay? Following the course of this world. You were living, we were living in a way uh, that was uh, following or conforming uh, to the course of this world. Simply, uh, the system, the way the world is, that completely ignores, denies, um, rejects God, okay? And everything uh, that that uh, means, so we see uh, here that it's a system that is 
uh, you can see it there yourself as well, that it's consistent with the prince of the air. Now, who's the prince of the air? Well, that's the devil here. So if it's consistent with the devil, it absolutely is going to be inconsistent with God. Okay? So the system, the world system is inconsistent. It is anti, it is against God uh, and uh, His Word. That's why it's death, right? Because it is anti, it is against God. Now, thirdly, we're described as sons of disobedience. Now, oftentimes in Scripture, uh, disobedience and unbelief uh, are uh, used together. What's the call of the gospel? The call of the gospel is to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be uh, saved. Uh, therefore, unbelief, not believing that, is disobedience, because Scripture says believe. Okay, so then it's disobedience. So therefore, that link between unbelief uh, and disobedience. So sons of disobedience, just further characterizing the life of those who are spiritually dead. You were dead. I uh, was dead. Now, fourthly, he says we were living according to the passions or the longings uh, of the flesh and the desires of the body uh, and the mind. Now, where is the focus on all of those things? If I'm living according to my longings, my passions, the desires of my body, the desires of my mind, where is the focus? Me, right? All of the focus is on me there, right? That's not good. That's not the right focus, okay? Uh, so that's uh, uh, an issue there. If it's all about my satisfaction, me promoting myself, me lifting up myself. Finally, he says, by nature children of wrath. Uh, so here he emphasizes mankind's nature uh, and its end. Okay, now by using this word nature, it's pointing to exactly who you and I were, right? Exactly who uh, we were. Because there's some people, let's say maybe even many people uh, out there, uh, who, who think they're actually not that bad, not too bad, you know? Um, you know, basically I'm a good person, you know, not all the time. I do some bad things, but doesn't everybody? Nobody's perfect, right? I'm not too bad. You know, weigh the good and the bad out. I'm sure the good outweighs my uh, bad uh, as such. Uh, but by Scripture using nature, uh, the word nature here, this isn't about behavior. This isn't about good uh, and bad uh, as such there. This is pointing to my core, your uh, core, my state, uh, and that nature is nothing but sinful, okay, uh, before Christ. It doesn't matter if that person does some things on the outside that appear good and decent, okay? Their nature, their position is one of sin and absolute, complete spiritual death, okay? So that's where uh, he uh, finishes there. Now, what does that nature face? What will it face? What is its end? Will it be confronted with the wrath of God, Okay? Uh, by nature, children uh, of wrath, okay? It does and will face judgment and punishment uh, from God. So, very quickly, those four or five things uh, give us quite a, a clear picture of the reality of being spiritually dead, okay? And it's not a sort of exciting picture. It's, it's, it's terribly bleak. It's terribly miserable. Absolutely nothing good there, completely separated uh, from God, and that's why it's necessary for you and I to be redeemed. That's why it's necessary uh, for uh, our community, uh, people in our communities, uh, to be uh, redeemed.
So it's in the midst of that just dark picture, miserable picture of death uh, and sin uh, that God demonstrates his love. Uh, in spite of the sin and the lives that are just lived in complete opposition and defiance of him, our creator reaches out with a way of salvation. So here we go, right? Verse 4. Here we get to the good bit, right? Verse 4 and 5. But God, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Now, one of the most extreme contrasts in Scripture is found uh, in these uh, opening verses uh, of Ephesian, uh, Ephesians 2. The reality of spiritual death contrasted with the reality of spiritual life, okay? They, they're just, they could not be uh, more uh, opposite. You were dead, but God made you alive, okay? Uh, that's what he's done for us. He has saved us. Now, verse 4 uh, connects this salvation with God's grace, or his, in this case, uh, with God's mercy uh, and his love, okay? He is described as being rich in mercy and having great uh, love, Okay, so we could say, well, how is it uh, that a holy God would even consider offering salvation uh, to sinful mankind? Well, it's because He is a merciful God and He is a loving God. It's who He is. Okay, so He acts out of who He is. Okay, His character is revealed uh, in this. Uh, mercy speaks of meeting people right where they're at. Okay, right where they're at. Mercy doesn't say, well, if you do this or that, first of all, and if you change those areas of your life, and if you stop, and you stop drinking, and you stop cursing, and you stop sleeping around, you do all of those things, then let's talk about salvation. That's not what mercy does. Mercy meets you in the stinking sinful gutter where we're at and says, here it is. Here's salvation. That's what mercy uh, does. And it's full salvation, and it's free uh, salvation. Now, it's one thing to show mercy, okay? One thing to show mercy. But it's another thing to do it in conjunction with love. Because you can even look back in, in history, and, you know, you're even thinking of, um, what's that film? Gladiator. Remember, ever see that film, Gladiator? Uh, and they're fighting, and then it's to the emperor. He decides whether somebody lives or dies. Thumbs up. And he can go like this, so mercy was he doing that out of love? Not a chance, right? So it's possible to show mercy uh, without uh, showing love. But God shows mercy and love. Okay, so that's significant uh, here. Uh, Paul describes it as, as great love. Great love. Uh, the meaning of great here is not just the idea uh, of uh, like impressive love or even the idea of a lot of love. Uh, the idea here is of the greatest amount of love possible. Uh, this um, word great is, is two Greek words put together. Uh, the idea of the biggest number possible. What's the biggest number possible? I have no idea, right? You're much smarter. You, do. The big, you could keep going and going. Well, that's the sort of love that's being talked about here. The biggest amount of love possible God showed uh, in what we're talking uh, about uh, here. And that's great because some of us are not easy to love. 
never mind sinful mankind. All right. So, rich in mercy, great love. Uh, God doesn't hold anything back when it comes to salvation, okay? From sending his own son uh, to pouring out genuine love uh, and mercy, he has given his very best, okay? His very best is on display. So what a salvation uh, this is. Uh, I'm sure in your mind you're going, amen. Yes, thank you, right? I'm not that, I'm reading that going, thank you, Lord. Right? What a great salvation this is. Paul goes on, By grace you have been saved, and raised up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Right? The message of salvation is called good news for a reason. Right? Because it is good news. You were dead, but you've been born again. And at that moment in faith, uh, a moment of faith in Jesus Christ, God reckons he identifies us with Christ's resurrection and Christ's exaltation, which this just blows my mind. This wonderfully uh, means resurrection. His exaltation applies to us as believers just as much as it applied to Jesus Christ. I can't process that. I can say thank you. Wonderful. Why would he do all of that? Okay, why would he go to such lengths to save sinful, rebellious people? Now, it's obvious that we can't save ourselves. Okay, uh, that's clear in these verses, the statement, by grace you have been saved, not by your effort, not by your works you have been saved, by grace. Uh, grace, we know, is all about giving somebody something wonderful that they absolutely don't deserve, right? That very much applies uh, here. Now, yes, he does it because he's merciful and he is uh, loving, uh, but there is more revealed to us in verse 7, okay? So, uh, look at that, read that again uh, with me uh, in verse uh, 7, giving a little bit more here of God's purpose in offering uh, salvation. So, it's not just salvation for the sake of it, and it's not just salvation for your sake, it's not just salvation for my sake. It's not just salvation to keep me out of eternal punishment, okay? Uh, it's more uh, than that. Instead, what we find next is the uh, purpose of salvation here, consistent with Paul's sort of theocentric theme that he's had all the way through the first chapter uh, as well. Verse 7, so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. God's great purpose in salvation is to show, is to put on display, full display for the whole world to see the riches of his grace. Okay, the salvation that God provides wonderfully impacts us, but even more importantly, it glorifies himself. Okay, it lifts uh, himself uh, up, okay? So, yes, we benefit, but more importantly, uh, God is glorified through it. His importance, His value, uh, His uh, significance is seen, is, is highlighted uh, through His plan uh, of uh, salvation. His character uh, is revealed uh, through it and is on display for all generations to see, right? Your generation 
Some of us are in the same generation. Some of you may be before, plenty of you may be, well, all the other ones after. Future generations will continue to be on display. Let's finish up the last three verses by asking and answering two questions, okay? Two important questions. I didn't come up with these questions. I nicked them from somebody else, okay? So if you like them, they're not mine. If you don't like them, they're not mine, okay? So, two questions. How can I receive the gift of salvation? Okay, Uh, that's verses 7 and 8. And the second question, which gets answered in verse 10, is what difference will it make in my life? So, how can I receive salvation and what difference uh, will it make in my life? Uh, Paul has presented this contrast between death and life. Uh, You might be sitting there, you might be confronted with Scripture uh, about the reality of your life, and you may want to experience the salvation uh, that Paul has been talking about here. Hence the question, how can I receive uh, this gift uh, of salvation? Well, let's read those verses again, okay? Eight and nine. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So that no one may boast. Right? If it was anything other than grace, we could point to it. Well, look what I did. Right? Uh, God will have none of that. Right? He will not share his glory with anyone. And he's absolutely right to do that. Right? If I did that, that wouldn't be right. Right? But God, the creator, absolutely right uh, to do that. Now, you are, uh, by grace you have been saved through faith. Now, the word faith can mean a lot of different things or can be taken uh, to mean uh, a lot of different things. But here it basically is the idea, it's, it's normal meaning of trusting, relying, depending on God, fully accepting that what He says is true. Okay, we do that every time we act in faith or do anything in faith. Respond in faith no matter what the situation uh, is. Uh, Trusting, relying, depending uh, on God. The call of the gospel to believe is not just believe anything, right? We know that. Uh, It's it's, uh, uh, not just even believe anything about God, okay? You can believe that God exists. That won't save you. You can believe that God is merciful. You can believe that God is love. That still uh, won't uh, save you. You can believe that God is kind, and that still uh, won't save you. Uh, Faith uh, in connection uh, with salvation is about faith in some very specific content. Okay, some very uh, specific content. Believing and accepting. God says, you're a sinner. Okay, I accept that. God says that my sin separates me from him, and if I die in that state, I will face judgment and eternal punishment. Okay, I accept that. God says that I cannot save myself, and that salvation is only through Jesus Christ. Okay, I accept that. Uh, God says that I must repent of my sin and trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Okay, I accept that. God says that his salvation is a full salvation, past, present, future, justification, sanctification, glorification. Oh, yes, I'm going to accept that, right? 
I accept that. Salvation is by grace uh, through faith. Please do not waste your time trying to earn salvation. Okay, don't waste time in your life trying to earn salvation uh, in any way, right? Even the good things, helping people, being here this morning, reading your Bible, praying, uh, uh, those things will not save you. Are they good things, right? Sure. Do they justify you before God? Absolutely not. Don't waste time trusting in those things for salvation, okay? It's only uh, through uh, Christ, right? If, if, if you could trust in those things to save yourself, it completely violates this principle. What a tragedy that would be, right? God does it in grace, and we try to, no, nah, it's not quite enough. Maybe I'll do some myself. Not quite sure how to handle this one. By grace you have been saved through uh, faith. So what difference will it make in my life? You might be thinking that. I have the opportunity to say that because I don't know you, most of you anyways. So I, I, don't, I, I don't know where you're at with some of the, uh, these uh, things. I don't say it to offend you. I just say it because that's what's in our text uh, this morning. What difference would it make in my life? Verse 10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. Here's the difference, okay? So what difference will this make uh, in my life? Here's the difference. What did the section open with, right? It opened with the you were dead walking in trespasses and sins, right? So that's where uh, we were uh, walking. Our section now closes with the complete opposite, okay? Walking in good works. Salvation is not uh, the end, it's just the beginning, right? Just the beginning. Uh, salvation is the start of our Christian walk, our Christian uh, life, and a life that because we have the Holy Spirit living in us can be lived in such a way exactly how God designed it, okay? That He prepared beforehand. How am I going to walk? The only way I can walk in those things is with the help of the Holy Spirit, Okay, uh, One of God's purposes for every believer is to walk in good uh, works. Now, that can mean a whole bunch of things as well, because we're afraid of the works word. Okay, You talk about works for a Christian, and you know, we want to be you know, very careful uh, with that. Uh, one of the most uh, helpful uh, definitions, whatever, descriptions, uh, of good works uh, that I've ever come across is good works is the idea of living obediently and productively. Living obediently uh, and productively. And because this activity, right, this obedience and this productivity is of Him, right, is of Him and for Him, we're now living in a way that glorifies Him. Now, what an opposite right? Living or walking in trespasses and sin as opposed to actively obeying and productively living uh, in a way that glorifies uh, God. Okay, what a, what a contrast we've been uh, thinking. So that is the difference that salvation makes in our lives. That's a big difference, right? That's a, I want that difference, right? I praise Him that I 
in his strength have that difference uh, there, okay? It takes us, it took you, if you were a believer, it took me from a position of being God's enemy, okay, being against him uh, in, any, in every way, it has taken me to being a friend of God, right? Again, thinking uh, contrast. It takes us from living a life against God uh, to living a life uh, for God. It takes you from a life characterized by trespasses and sin to a life characterized by honoring God, uh, glorifying God with activity, with obedience and productivity that has wonderful eternal uh, significance uh, and value. So what difference does salvation make? Well, it makes all the difference in the world. All the difference in the world. So we, what do we do? We say, thank you, God, for your salvation. Amen.